Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome, everybody, to Self-Storage Income. Today's episode is one that I have been looking forward to a long time because it is one of the largest questions on ancillary revenue products that self-storage owners have, and it's also probably the most misunderstood. And I have dealt with cell towers. That's what we're talking about today. I've dealt with cell towers in multiple facilities. I mean, we've probably done five different facilities and even I have so much confusion about how this even works. So it's you know one of those things that I'm really excited. And we have one of the top guys in the industry here to talk with us. He came from AT&T, but he works specifically with self-storage owners and contracting these leases. We're going to go through the pros, the cons, everything. This is an absolute don't miss episode. Um, but before we get started, before we bring in Hugh Odom, that's our special guest today, I'm going to talk real quick about our sponsor, who we talked about last time. So our sponsor is, as a lot of you guys know, Janus International. And what we've been talking about in the last one, the last podcast as well as now, is specifically their product Noki in these last couple episodes. We just launched two facilities, two more facilities with the Noki product. And the reason why I guess we chose them as a sponsor is because we use them and we think that the product is not just a good one. It's not just an add-on. We believe that it will be in the next five, 10 years, a standard with self-storage. So any new self-storage building will have this kind of product in. And we we think that that is absolutely so essential to be thinking about those things now so you don't build and then just a few years later be outdated. And that's how we view it. So expansions, build, anything. And what Noki is, is it's a keyless um, entry system. So at our facilities, our tenants have the actual ability to rent from their unit without ever even having a discussion with the store manager. They can buy or they can lease or rent the unit on the iPhone if they want or on the computer or however they want. And then they get a digital key that's just on their app on the phone. So they go in, it opens our gates, it opens everything, they get access, and then they leave. It automates that whole process, which gives us access to tenants that are willing to do that that may be out of state that other people don't. So it's a huge advantage. And we put the show we put in the show notes more about Janice and we'll have in their kind of their contact and this entry system. But one of the things that I think a lot of people are misunderstood about this product is that it used to be, I think until recently, it was pretty much, listen, it's a new build, right? So you're either doing this new build or you're not doing it, but they have these new entry systems that are ran by battery. They're battery operated that last for three years. 
And so you can actually, when changing out your doors or a facility, even if that building doesn't have power, you can now have the Nokia uh, uh, keyless entry system, which we did. So we did that on our buildings. We used the battery operated one that we hadn't run power to the buildings. Um, yeah, a lot so more cost effective. A lot more cost for effective. Sure, for sure. And it's this idea of where you're going, I can't re-tear up everything and go down, which was one of my biggest problems with it at first was going, this works for a new build, but, you know, what about these older facilities? And, the you know, this battery one works really well. Three years is the lifespan on it. Um, and those batteries are just getting better. So, everybody, go check out our show notes. Um, Janus International, their no-key product um is awesome we love it reach out to us too we can help you now with that without any further ado uh, do, let's welcome hugh odom and thanks for coming on man oh thank you for having me i appreciate it this is an awesome topic i've been looking forward to this for a long time and uh you know from what we've seen and what we've heard in the industry is you are absolutely the person to talk to. And before I go to, why don't you give people your background so they're understanding not just the background and self-storage that you, you've worked with, but your cell tower background um, and how you know about how these lease options and, and, and the cell towers work. Sure. Well, my background personally is being a real estate and telecom attorney for almost 25 years now. I was an attorney inside AT&T for almost 11. I was regional counsel for AT&T throughout an 18 state region throughout the Western United States for almost 10 of those 11 years. So if anything got done and mostly all the Western United States, my name was on it. So during that period of time, learned a lot about not only the development of cell sites throughout the United States, but negotiation and structuring of those deals from the other side of the table, what the wireless companies were looking for, what they, what their strong points were and what their weak points were. In 2010, I uh, founded a company called Vertical Consultants, and we basically switched sides of the table. We started working with property owners around the United States. And in doing that, we were working with them to structure new deals for use of their properties and also to renegotiate existing deals. And since 2010, we've grown from zero clients to thousands upon thousands of clients across the uh, United States, including some of the largest self-storage companies uh, in the industry, um, uh, helping them to negotiate new deals and also restructure existing ones. So we have a lot of experience with regards to the industry, the telecom industry. We have a lot of experience with regards to the real estate side of it. And more particularly, we have a lot of experience with the self-storage sector of the real estate industry. And um, when you say the largest ones in the industry, you don't have to name names, but we're talking the REITs, right? Correct. Yeah. Now, this is an interesting world that I think we need to kind of give a ground leg before you, you get quite into it, because it's very confusing to most, including me. When, when we originally started working with Cell Tower, I assumed we were working with Verizon, right, or AT&T or whoever it was. But that's not exactly true. That's not who we were working with regarding the Cell Tower and getting the Cell Tower put in. So maybe why don't you talk about all the parties that are involved and getting a new tower constructed, or maybe who owns it, the providers, and just how that acts, the fundamentals operate. If you wanted to put a cell tower in, or if you're buying a property with a cell tower, who are you dealing with? Who's installing it? All the, that, that kind of just the lay down of sure. who you got to work. So when you're driving down the street and you see a cell tower on a property, no matter what kind of property it is, there are two basic types of cell towers. 
Uh, there are ones that are owned by the wireless carriers. Everybody knows the Verizon's, AT&T, T-Mobile's of the world. And those are out there. And there's also the ones that are owned by the largest cell tower companies in the United States, that being Crown Castle, American Tower, SBA Communications. Those three companies control the lion's share of cell towers in the United States. So when somebody approaches you for to put a new site on your property, usually what you get is initially a vendor that works for the tower company. And they're a site acquisition vendor. They come to you and say, hey, I got a great offer for you. I want to use your land for a cell tower. The majority of cell towers being built today and have been built over the last 10 years aren't built by the carriers. They're built by cell tower companies. And those can be the largest ones to the smallest ones. And so when you're when somebody comes to you and says, hey, Verizon wants to be on your property to lease, it sounds great because you, you know Verizon. And that's a grade A tenant. You know who they are. You see their commercials. You know their stock price. You understand that. But the majority of times it is actually a cell tower company that is going to build the tower and lease space back to Verizon on the tower. So what you're actually entering into is an agreement with a smaller company that is going to lease back space. So they're just using your, your land to lease back space onto a, to a carrier. So you have to be very careful first and foremost to understand exactly the dynamics of what the relationship is between the parties, because there's a huge difference in not only understanding the tenant that's going to be on your property, but also the business model of those tenants. So just very quickly, a cell tower company is set just like a real estate company. They, they build something, they lease space back. That's how they generate revenue. The more tenants they have, the more revenue they generate. So that's how they value a site. Whereas a, a wireless carrier builds a tower for the purpose of serving their customers in that area. So the valuation of that and the valuation of by which you determine what you're going to charge in rent is different between the two companies. So it's very, it's very important that you understand when somebody comes to you, who they are, who they represent, who your tenant is actually going to be, and how the business model for each of those different types of towers I just explained works and how they're valued. You know, this is so interesting because one of our first uh, self-storage facilities had a tower on it, and we picked it up, we purchased it, and it was, I think, three years later that we were informed that our cell tower was no longer owned by the person that it originally had been. And we were now dealing with a brand new company, which we had no say. We didn't ever agree upon anything else, and we didn't even know. In fact, I think, too, we found out a year after it even happened or something crazy like that. It was like we are like, shocked. We're, you know, there was a bunch of guys that were putting, putting up new things on the tower, and we go out there, and we're like, what's going on, guys? And uh, it was someone we hadn't worked at or informed. So I kind of learned this probably the hard way, right? We learned uh, uh, about this, and also, too, when approached by people – that wanted to put the cell tower in, they acted as if they were the cell tower providers. In fact, one of them's name is Horizon, which everyone confused with Verizon, and they assumed that they were the same company, even though it wasn't even the company that owned the cell tower. It was a third-party company that just found property for this other company out of Southern California that would put the cell towers on that would then be leased to who knows who. And so there was a huge confusion on what these cell towers were and who they were for. And that makes it really difficult in, I guess, understanding what kind of deal you're getting. Um, And I think that's probably the hardest part 
about this industry is it tends to be what I would say a black box, um, where I don't really understand the contracts that are going out, who they are. I don't know what that means when, um, and two, I don't know that you want to, that's why you bring up people like you, but when you're looking at these leases, aren't these leases really long, like forever almost? Yeah, so the typical lease is set up in different option periods, but usually what they're trying to do is get somewhere between 25 and 50 years commitment. Now understand, that's a one-sided commitment. It's a commitment from the property owner, not a commitment from the tower company. So a tower company wants the flexibility to, to build and then move whatever they want to if they need to. On the other side, the the, the land the, sorry, the, the landowner is committed for that period of time. They can't get out. They're locked in for that period of time. It's my dad used to say it's like a ham and egg breakfast. The chicken's participating and the pig is committed. So one is one is in it and one is <laughs> one's one just there when they want to be. So the 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 trouble you get into with this is that once you get down that road of locking in not only the the term, the amount of time, you're locking in the financial structure as well. And you're locking in how your property is treated what flexibility you have. In the self-storage industry, we work with this all the time, is that none of us can predict the future. That is why a cell tower company gives themselves flexibility. They don't know what's going to happen 20, 30 years down the road. So they want the ability to walk away. A self-storage company doesn't understand what's going to happen six years from now, more or less 16 years from now, redevelopment of their property, disposition of their property, where somebody wants to redevelop their property on that side. So they get themselves locked into this situation. And it becomes very compromising for them. Understand the cell tower industry was based upon the oil and gas industry. If you think about it, think about the old oil and gas industry, the turn of the 20th century. Go out, find a property that you can drill on, produce, get oil from, lock into a long-term lease agreement with that property owner, pay them a rent, pay them an escalator, get a term so you fix your cost. So you fix your cost, let's say, over 50 years. Keep on paying them produce more and more oil. You fix your cost. It's just more and more profit for you. If the well runs dry, you pick up, you leave. If the well's great, you're just producing more and more. Cell tower company, think of just visually, cell tower, oil, Derek, look very similar. Go out, get a piece of land, long-term, lock in a, a rent, an escalator, a term. You fix your cost for that period of time. Generate more and more revenue, cost stays fixed. And, and, it's, and if you if it becomes a bad site, you pull up, you leave. That's the basis of it. So you have to be very careful of understanding that ultimately what you're agreeing to when you're into a cell tower agreement shouldn't be looked at as a real estate agreement, even though you're leasing space. It needs to be structured as a utility agreement. We emphasize this with our property owners that we work with. The problem with, with most cell tower leases, people say, I'm getting underpaid. I'm getting underpaid. And I say, well, if I could double your rent tomorrow, you may be getting paid the right amount but your structure is bad. You're not that you're getting under just underpaid. It's your overall structure is bad. And then and, and to add on to that, now you've entered into a long-term agreement. You can't get out of, you can't have flexibility. And that can be compromising to your fundamental asset. In this case, a self-storage facility that your operations can be compromised by something that the other party's not committing to that you're getting underpaid for as well. So it's, it's a huge issue out there to get people to look beyond just somebody offering you rent for this space that you, you deem as unusable 
But in their mind, it's very useful. It's very advantageous for them. So you need to understand, again, the dynamics of why they're coming out there, why they structured the leases a certain way, and what you're actually committing to for a very long period of time. So, you know, and I want to talk about uh, the two sides of this because I've had both of them and I've had cell tower deals that have worked out extremely well. We purchased a facility. We were able to renegotiate the lease rates um, after a year after we bought the facility on the cell tower that was already existing. Immediately after that, we sold the lease off and we sold the lease to somebody for more or just as much as we had put into the entire property. So within like two years, we had all our money out of the property and it was 100% return and it worked out great. We've never really had any problems with it. It, it, It's been fine. Then uh, we've had other facilities that was like, we felt that we got trapped and we were dealing with essentially bullies that were just forcing, had no intentions of even working with us the moment you signed it. It was, you do it this way or we're taking you to court immediately. Um, and we felt that we'd lost control over our property and uh, that essentially they had first rights to everything. It felt like, you know, because once again, they're in the middle of it or wherever it is, this space, you have to have open for them and they have to have their operations have to be able to come in and it changes the way things that you can do on your property. And it just fundamentally does. So how do you make sure that if you're going into a cell tower, Uh, agreement or you have one, which most of this stuff, anyways, uh, the implementation of cell towers is still with Connor here, our co-host, but uh, he's dealing with the actual contractors um, and getting them out to put it up. But how do you set this up? Like, what are the pros and cons? What are the, the, what are the signals that you should be looking out for that says, this is either somebody we want to work with or not work with? Because I feel like a lot of people, they just don't understand. Well, I think the first thing is, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, you need to understand that all the players that are they're in play, the dynamics of what you're entering into. And again, if somebody comes out and says, we're doing this, this deal for Verizon, and then you kind of backtrack and say, oh, that actually the Verizon I'm leasing to is this small t- company out of X that we don't know who they are. You need to kind of figure out all the players in the cycle, number one. And understand everything from financial backing they have to the ability for them to sometimes they'll come out to you and say, well, we're going to add all these tenants to the tower, et cetera. They're going to promote it in a way that seems to be very advantageous. So you need to kind of figure out, again, who who you're dealing with exactly, what their plan is. We always what happens a lot is somebody knocks on your door, says, I'm going to put a cell tower on this property and they get you excited and they kind of get you moving forward. You need to kind of say, well, hold on. You're asking me to move down a path. What is your path over here? Who are you? What is your path to getting the tower built? What is your path to getting tenants on the tower? What is your path to maintaining the site? Ask them those questions up front because ultimately when somebody comes to put a sell site on your property or offer that to you, they're selling you. You feel like you feel like you're getting something, but they're selling something to you. And it's just a sales job. And you get so far, and any good salesman gets you to focus on what they want you to focus on. Focus on the rent, focus on the rent, focus on the rent, focus on the rent, focus on the rent. Don't worry about anything else in the, in the, in the lease. Don't worry about how it's going to impact your property. So you really have to look at this and say, okay, before I can agree to any rent, just think of this from a logical standpoint. Before I agree to any financial terms, I better understand what I'm agreeing to. I always say, if I came to you tomorrow and offered you a million dollars, and I said, I have one condition. Would you want to know what that one condition is before you set my million dollars? 
you're being asked to enter into an agreement that's going to pay you a monthly rent that has dozens of conditions that impact you, your, your property, and your operations. So, for example, as I mentioned, it's kind of one of the biggest examples with regard to self-storage entry. So let's say you have a cell tower on your property right now, or just sign one. And I said to you, I can't, I'll come out to you six months later. I'm just come off the streets. And I'll say, I'll offer you 10 times the market value of your property, your overall property, 10 times. I assume you'd be wanting want to talk to me. I assume you, I would have your ear. I said, I will buy your property for 10 times market value. I have the money right here. I have one condition. The cell tower is fine where it is on your self-storage property. I have one condition. I need, the, I need the tower company to move a utility easement 10 feet, and I'll pay you 10 times market value. 95% of cell tower leases don't have that flexibility for you to sell your property. You're at the mercy of that cell tower company because you've got so focused on the rent. Now you're in a position where your use of your property is somewhat subordinate to the use of that cell tower space. Most cell tower leases have unlimited liability situations by which if something happened, especially on a self-storage facility, let's say some damage occurred to the tower, some excavation happened, cut through fiber optic lines, somebody backed into some equipment, whatever. Of course, you're responsible for the repair or replacement of that equipment, but, but you're also responsible for all consequential and indirect damages. So let's say you shut them down for six, seven days, emergency migration services, everything associated with that. A $5,000 claim can turn into a $100,000 claim based upon the emergency situations that, uh, that come in play when it's shut down on a, a cell site. So now you have this unlimited liability. People get so focused on the rent, they forget about what they're agreeing to. There are several things in a, in a cell site lease that people don't look at and don't understand because they get too focused on the rent. And even when they get focused on the rent, they're focusing on something that they don't understand how they should structure correctly. So it's a, it's a we try to get our property owners when we deal with our clients and we deal with a lot of clients across the country of all types. We tell them two basic things. When somebody offers you either an sorry, a new cell tower lease or to renegotiate an existing one, two basic things. Don't worry about what they're offering you. I don't care what they're offering you. Understand what you're offering them. If you understand that, then you can negotiate a fair structure of that deal. Second thing, Think bigger. If you're thinking, if you get to focus on the rent only, then you get that you've fallen for what they're selling you. Think bigger. If you're thinking this big, think bigger. Then think bigger. And then think bigger. Because you get so focused on the here and now, you forget about the future. You forget about all the consequences of it. And all of us can read through a sell site lease and say, here's what it says, right? And we all can do that. The difference is you have to be, re be able to read through it and say, here's what it says but here's why it's in there. And here's how these other guys are going to try to use it. Like you said, they come back and try to bully you and everything else because they understand they know they can have the power and the influence and the, the, the backing to basically push anybody out there. You know, as I mentioned to you before, I, I was inside AT&T for a very long period of time. We understood as AT&T, there wasn't too many people who could stand up to AT&T, especially for a small property owner. Or if you're a large REIT that owns a lot of self-storage units, our facilities. We're bigger than you. We'll take you on. We don't have a problem. There's an, there's an AT&T attorney in every courtroom every day fighting something. So that's not the issue. The issue is that you have to understand where their leverage points is. So if somebody comes to you and says, look, we're going to push you down this road. I'm going to AT&T on Verizon, I'm Crown Castle, whoever. And you have a dispute with them about something on your property. They're going to use that card. We're big, you're smaller. You have to understand 
where their weak points are, where their leverage point, where your leverage points are with them. Because like an elephant is scared of a mouse, not because of its size, because it's nimbleness. You have to understand where their weak points are and you can push back on some of these things. But you ultimately, when you're entering into any kind of agreement, whether a new agreement or renegotiating an existing agreement, you better understand exactly what you're agreeing to. Don't get so focused on somebody offering a little bit of a signing bonus, an increase in rent, that you forget the bigger picture of understanding what the value is actually to them and actually understand what you're agreeing to. So what is the value to you? I mean, how, how valuable are these things to them? What kind of, you know, it's, I, I, I guess I confuse lots of times, like, are these just gold mines for these people? And, you know, what is the demand like? And you have all these new services like 5G coming out and the building, like, is, it gets too we're at a point where I'm like, some people are arguing that the cell tower industry will be completely changed as we know it. And that there's not going to be as much demand for these big towers. In fact, I've heard people saying that there's going to be towers sitting around empty that they're not going to renew leases or put people up. And I, and then you also hear people saying, though, that's not true. There's going to be more demand than ever. And I'm like, well, how do I, if you don't even understand the future of the industry, how can you even know what power you have? Well, I'll try to answer that as, as briefly as possible. It's a long, it's a long answer there. But the, the best, best way of trying to explain this is, First thing you, you don't do and what most property owners do is to say, well, what are market rents in this area? What's the value? What's the value? Because you're real estate prone. Every sell site has its own individual value based upon the utility that that company gets from that tower. So go back to our oil and gas examples. Like I mentioned, how the t- tower industry was, was formed. If you, hadn't, if you had 10 oil wells within a five mile radius of each other, you don't say because they're in the same area, they have the same value. Look at how much production is. So you have to look at utility. If you understand utility of what the value they're generating from that site, then you can determine what what you're what you're offering them by allowing them to first be there or to secondly renegotiate an existing lease to extend out terms or get them what they want. So you have to look at the individual situation. What is the value of the tower? What is the value of the equipment on the tower? What is the utility the carriers get from that site? What is what do they get? And also what detriment do they avoid if they did not have the site there? So you have to look at from perspective of value added and detriment avoidance, because what the, the tower industry and the, and the wireless carriers promote is, hey, you're lucky to have us on your property. We're paying you rent. But what people don't know and what the tower companies never want to disclose is the value they're deriving from that with regards to, in the case of a tower company, how much rent they're generating. The average cell tower out there it's paying the, the property owner about somewhere between 15 to 20% of total revenue they're getting. So you're getting this small portion and they're getting this large chunk of it. So think of a business, how you ask me how valuable, if you could open a business today and lease space and get 80% of the value and pay 20% of rent. And that number continue goes up because you're, you're increasing your revenue and your rent staying basically stagnant just want to escalate to keeping up with inflation. So it is extremely valuable. The, the tower companies make a lot of money. Now to address your second point with regards to, you know, 5G and our, our cell towers going away. The best analogy I could have come up with is think of it this way. I assume when you drove to work today or drove around town, kind of a bad example of where we're in today, but when you're going around town, you drive around the same roads all the time, over and over and over. But your cars have constantly changed. You're using the same roads, right? Technology and cars have changed, but until we invent a flying car, we're going to use the same roads. 
Cell towers are infrastructure, just like a road. They're built out because all the equipment, until they build equipment that doesn't need a point on a point on the ground to be stationed to, you're going to need cell towers. 5G, which is a big rage today, everybody says, is 5G going to replace these cell towers? 5G is not a replacement. 5G is just a technology that gets attached to the tower itself, the equipment itself. It is a densification. It's not what you're ha what's happening with 5G. It's I mean, if you have a cell tower in your property, what they're trying to do is it basically has a range. Think of a circle radius that it serves. 5G is a densification of that area. So you're not replacing something. You're just densifying that area by the equipment on the tower and then possibly smaller equipment around that tower. So it actually makes your site more valuable, your tower site more valuable, valuable when leasing space to one of the tower companies. These things are increasing in value because if you think about it, just in our situation today, we're using more and more wireless technology, more and more wireless services, and you need more and more equipment out there to serve the demand. So long story short is, there is the cell towers aren't going away. They're not gonna be, not gonna be ripped off your property anytime soon. But you also have to look at them individually with regard to determining value. The last thing I'll say about the kind of the longevity of it, the old, old adage is, you know, if you're trying to figure something out, don't figure it out yourself, figure it out from people that are actually investing in it, right? So you look at the largest cell tower companies, American Tower, Crown Castle, SBA Communications, and then look at the wireless carriers as well. They're spending tens of billions of dollars every year investing in securing existing cell towers, building new cell sites. So if, if all this is going away, either they just have more money than they, they, need, they need, or they're, they're not very smart. I don't think either of those are the case. They're, they understand that this is building infrastructure. I would want to own the road. I don't care about the cars. Cars are constantly going to change. I like owning the roads. That's what these guys own. They understand the value of the roads, in this case, the value of the cell towers. Now, do you think that they're going to need more with 5G cell tower? Are you going to need to put more up? Because you talk about density. Does that just mean they are better served? Like, can they serve more people off that single cell tower than they could before? Is that what you mean by density? No, what, what, I guess to answer your first question, they're going to need more. Right now in the United States, just on, let's say, cell towers, traditional cell towers, as you see, my property, and then rooftop equipment, antennas on top of a building or attached to some structure, there are roughly about four hundred to 500,000 of those sites, okay? By 2025, they're estimating that an, another million-plus cell sites will be built out. Million. And, and, and because of 5G, now that's going to be a combination of new cell towers. That's going to be, but mostly it's going to be new 5G sites that are, that are surrounding that area that has that existing cell tower. Densification, and the reason densification is what I mean by that is ultimately 5G provides a multi, a multiple advantages versus 4G technology. But the two biggest advantages are speed. You have increased speed. You know, everything moves a lot faster. And then you have lower latency. And what lower latency means is if I, if I punch in something, it's, it hits automatic versus now. That's why you can do self-driving cars, all these things, because it's automatic. It's no, there's no lapse in it. So what you have to do is that think of it that you're taking, you're taking something like a, you're taking, let's say, a, a piece of Swiss cheese, okay, and you're filling in the holes. 
and you're making it really dense where you don't see all these little all these little micro holes in the in the in the network. You fill 5G, it makes everything very dense. So when you make everything very dense, you make it faster and you make it the latency go down. So what they're doing is they're just putting all this additional uh, these additional equipment in this small radius area and it's just densifying that area. So you have higher speeds, lower latency. And so with the traditional cell tower that a cell storage owner may have on this property, you say, well, hold on, they're building out these all small sites. So they're going to replace it. Is that going to replace the, the my primary? No, what they're doing in that site is they're, you're seeing a tremendous amount of modification of existing equipment on those towers. The reason being is that's kind of like the, think of like the hub and the spokes of a wheel. The hub is the cell tower. The spokes are the other little 5G sites around that. So the hub is always important. That, that's the primary. The, the wheel, the spokes are just the, the secondary. That's, the, that's kind of the example. So when you add all those spokes, you densify, you pick up speed, you lower latency, you have better overall service. And that becomes more valuable very quickly. That becomes more valuable to the carriers because one, the big reason is they can provide more services, charge more for those, and the ultimate goal of an AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile is not just to be able to provide you or I services, it's to be able to provide you content as well. If we can do that, now I'm making money not only providing the service, now I'm making money off providing the content. So that's why all these cell sites are becoming more and more valuable because without those, without that infrastructure, that doesn't work. You can't use your phone right now without that cell tower down the road. So it, think about what we're about to get into with more and more density with regards to people using more and more wireless service. Does that make the road less valuable or more valuable? That makes the, the road more valuable. In this case, the road is the cell tower. So in this industry, you've, you've obviously been in this for a long time. The cell towers as they're coming up, and a lot of these people buy facilities with a cell tower already on it. If you have a storage facility and a cell tower out, how many of the facilities out there do you think are getting basically underpaid? As in they, because they did it direct with the um, cell tower company, right? And the cell tower company told them that, listen, I'm giving you the best deal that I've given anybody in this area. Nobody else is getting a deal like yours. How much of that is true and how much of these cell towers are being under or underpaid for their utility that you have? 95 plus percent. Really? That many? Yes. 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 Because of two basic reasons. Because they've agreed to, they're underpaid right now based upon the rents they're getting or what they agreed to originally. But going back to what I've mentioned before, we have a lot of people that come to us, and including the self-storage owners, and say, hey, I had the cell tower on my property. I did a really good deal back, you know, four or five years ago. I'm getting paid this much rent. And I get, an, I get, I get let's see, $2,000 a month. I get a 3% escalator every year. I feel like I'm getting the best deal around. You know, but every guy down the street's only getting 1200 or 800 or whatever. I got a good deal. And my simple response is, okay, great. That sounds really good. What happens if it's, let's say, three or four years, the cell tower company is making twice as much money off your property as they are today? How much more money are you getting? They say, what do you mean? I got my $2,000. I got my 3% escalator. It's because they've struck. They may have a right deal today, but they're not going to have it long term. And that's the problem. As I go back, it's not the rent, it's the structure. Rent is a derivative of structure. A cell tower company, I can't emphasize this enough, wants you to agree to rent, an escalator, and a term. I fix my cost. If they come to you to buy your lease out, they're fixing their cost because if I fix my cost to a recurring asset, I continue to make more and more money and I fix my cost. 
So most of property owners are not only undervalued today, the vast, 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 vast majority, they are getting more and more under the under that value based upon the structure of the lease. So we see, again, we see thousands upon thousands of leases every year and 90 plus, 95 plus percent of them are undervalued, not only because of what they're getting paid today, but the structure of the lease long-term. So you could have bought a property that has a cell tower in a decade ago and they haven't changed the agreement or anything and it could be severely undervalued. Correct. Yes, extensively, because it's, it's based upon, it's based upon what they originally agreed to, but again, it's based upon that long-term structure. And here's the other thing. Somebody comes back to a cell tower company comes back to you tomorrow and they say, look, you have this lease that has, let's say 10 years left on it. I want to renegotiate our, our agreement. You're currently getting paid, let's just say $1,500 a month. And I'll, I'll increase that from $1,500 a month to let's say $2,000 a month. You go, great. And I'll ex- and we're going to extend the lease out for another 30, 40 years. Okay, sounds great. The problem is that they're using that baseline of what you're currently getting paid as your baseline for what your increase is. That has nothing to do with it. You're looking at, you're using a dynamic of what you agreed to years ago as the determining value of what you're currently getting as what you're going to base off what your increase is going to be. So as I said before, I don't care what anybody else is getting paid. I don't care what you're getting paid. It has no basis with regards to the value of the cell tower. It's based upon the, the individual value of that site today and then structuring it correctly going forward. That's where people make mistakes. Again, when somebody comes to you to put a, a, a tower in your property initially or comes back to renegotiate a deal, they are, they are getting to focus. They're selling you on something. If I can buy something for you for $2 from you, it's worth $10 to me. Who made the better deal? That's the problem. So people just don't understand how to look at these because they're looking at them like real estate agreements and they're not. They're utility agreements. Well, and even when somebody are, comes to buy. Sorry. No, it's just like, so in, in two, I, I, I agree with you on that point. So when you got somebody that has this, what are the odds that they can actually renegotiate with these huge companies that basically, you know, say, you know, you do anything outside of anything we say, we, you know, we're going to take you to court. Is, are these renegotiable? Are these leases something that we, you know, you can have renegotiated and you can get a better deal or are you stuck? Sure. So uh, the answer quickly is yes. And the, the evidence is we've been in existence since 2010. Over the last five years, our average immediate increase in rent for an existing lease is over 300%. Think of that, increasing your revenues by 300%. Not, a get, not any additional space given up, nothing beyond just giving additional term and renegotiating the structure. In addition to that 300% annual increase or median increase, average increase, is that we're also restructuring the dynamics of how your property is getting impacted, like we talked before about the, the non-monetary situations that can have a negative impact on your property, the value of your property. So we do it from, from both sides. The understanding is, it's very simple. Like I said before, it's a simple concept, but it's where people don't understand this because they're not familiar with the industry. I don't care what they're offering a property owner. I care what we're offering them. Our first conversation with an AT&T, a Verizon, a Crown Castle, American Tower, isn't about what they've offered. It's about what our client is offering them because we understand that because they're ultimately the tower companies and the wireless carriers ultimately are coming to you and saying, look, if you don't do something, we're going to move the tower. If you don't do something, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Well, in reality, if you understand what their actual ability to do certain things are, 
then you understand how you can negotiate. Like somebody comes out to you and says, look, we have to get on this property today and you have to do it today or we're going to take you to court. Well, if you understand exactly what they're going to be doing, then you can have leverage in saying, no, you have to meet my term. For example, like I said, we do with a lot of self-storage facilities. And one of the biggest issues when, when somebody comes on your property doing work on your property at a self-storage facility that's handling something with a cell tower is they come out there, they're going to be using space to stage their equipment, park their trucks, all this. It's blocking other tenants. It's blocking access to certain units. And your operations are compromised. And you're basically in breach of other agreements. Well, what a cell tower company will say is, well, we have 24-7 access, right? We can come out here anytime we want. I don't. Most leases provide for that. That's not something we advise in a new lease or renegotiation, but most right now do provide for that. That's what they'll say. You have to let us out here. What we say is, fine, this is not an access issue. This is an issue with regards to you're going to have to use space outside of what we're leasing to park your truck, to stage your equipment. You have to come back to us to negotiate terms by which you use our property. You can have access to the tower, but you can't park that truck there. You can't ha have that equipment there. You can't bring that crane and set it up there. So you see what my, my point is, is that they're going to use their hand of saying, we're big, you have to deal with us. Our response to, to this is, okay, well, we're going to use our, our nimbleness, our wit, our ability to interpret this and see exactly what we're offering you and what you need from us to kind of level, this, level the playing field out. So it really is, if you understand where their, where their weak points are, where you have leverage, then you can negotiate these things out on a bigger scale or even a smaller scale like somebody trying to access your property. Because it, it's a huge problem in the self-storage industry because we see so many times, we get so many calls from our clients in the self-storage saying, hey, these guys are out here. We don't know who they are. Like there's, a, there's a man lift or a crane park. They're blocking this or doing this. We say we, we tell them very simply, have them call us. We're going to tell them to stop everything until we get terms for it. Uh, terms agreed to. They don't like it. The cell tower companies don't like it, but you know, we understand where their weak points are and we understand how to negotiate these things out. You know, this is especially important when they're putting up the cell tower itself. Like we have a cell tower that's going in and I just, you know, just hear you even say that I'm like, how disruptive is this going to be? And you know, like, what does this mean to our tenants and things that, you know, we didn't have originally in the contract or didn't think about and, you know, what time frame, when are they going to access it? And, you know, all these different questions that you don't think about when, you know, either you're, especially when putting a new one in. Um, it's in two way interesting also is they take, I mean, we had one contract with them. It, it was done like two years, three yeah, years Yeah, so the ago? one that's getting put in right now was done back in 2018. So, and then just last week early, they'd sent, an email and mail notice just saying, hey, we're starting on, what is it, the 6th was Monday. Uh, we're going to start building on the 6th. Uh, we'll we need there. access, yeah. this and that, like two up. years down yeah. the road. Yeah, we're yeah. building it now. We need Out access now. Out of the blue, now. years uh, down the road yep. and saying, open it up now, today. We're telling, we're not asking. And we're like, oh, you're still here. Like, right. and, you know, <laughs> exactly. we forgot. Like, oh, yeah. who are you? Well, you this, this happens yeah. this, this, this happens all across the United States. Is it, and this is where, again, you get focused on one thing and you forget about the other little things that kind of deal with these, how the actual dynamics of this works. So first of all, it's a, what we do, what we're, we handle a tremendous amount of new leases for our clients and self-storage. We either get them new leases or we negotiate when they're presented. 
either or. We're very good at doing both. So we can go out to, uh, we deal with Verizon and AT&T and, and going out and promoting our property, our property owner sites and getting them new leases or when they present something, negotiating them. When those come about, part of this is the financial side of it. But just like you're saying, is it so you get a knock on the door, an email or whatever, phone call, we're going to be out there tomorrow. And you have to put in certain requirements, not only for notice, to make sure there's not going to be a disruption of operations, but to make sure that who's going to be out there because 90 plus percent of all the work is not done by the tower company with the wireless carriers, done by vendors and subcontracted out. Who's going to be out there? Do they have proper insurance? Do they have the permits they need? Because a permit that's pulled against your property is against you, not against, not against a tower company. So you need to make sure everything is compliant. But what happens is they just kind of push this, ram this down your throat and say, we're going to be out here. And again, if you haven't, set aside who's going to be out there and also where they're going to stage, it can be a disruption. So it's really, it's really getting it right on the front end because if you don't, what they're now using is their leverage. Like we talked about it, we're big, you're smaller. And we're just going to say, we're going to be out here. And if you're not, we're, we'll take you to court. We're going to say you're in violation of the lease. So it's really understanding. Like I said, when you're looking at these leases, all of us can re- read these leases. It's very important that you understand it, but it's more important. You, you understand what they're thinking on the other side why these things are in there, how they're going to try to use it, because then you get in trouble if you don't understand that. Well, and, and this is the the important thing about understanding this industry, too, because if you took those contracts down to a normal attorney, they're just going to say, well, yeah, that's what you agreed to. So there's nothing you can do, right? And because maybe they don't understand the industry and how it works and everything. So it's you're, you're, you're exactly right. It's so important to understand what they need, what they're wanting, Um and also, too, finding the right people that can help you uh, figure that out, like you and others. They can say, listen, this is where you need to position yourself, and this is what you're – because this isn't something that, too, this is – I agree, cell towers aren't going away. And um, self-storage facilities are a absolute target for cell tower companies. Um, self-storage facilities are – they're going, this is perfect. This is exactly where we want to put our stuff, especially – as you know, we're building storage facilities in much higher density areas than we used to. And we're building them, or cities have grown out around them, but there's space that can be utilized for these things and utilized well. So I'm sure if you own a storage facility, you know, most of you have been contacted. You know, we've been contacted, I think, on all of ours, all of our properties. Uh, and it's, you know, we've, we've done both. We've acquired them. We've built them. we put them in. But they are a partner, whether they're a good one or not. Um, and you need to make sure you have the right resources on your, your side to understand, you know, what's happening on that property. We've made that mistake before, and it, it just doesn't work. You know, you can get hung up to dry. Here's the thing we try to explain is that companies are real estate based, like self-storage. Okay? And like I've said before, I was on the other side of this for 11 years. And the reason we started this company, we saw the disparity. We saw that it's very... The, the vast majority of property owners are making bad decisions, very sophisticated property owners are making bad decisions. The reason why it's very simple. Let's just say like a self-storage company, whether it be a, a REIT or a, a, a multi-owner uh, uh, facility, so multi-facility owner, they're very good at what they do. Let's say they're a, they're a great baseball player. Okay. They're great at what they do. The, the, the tower, tower companies and, and wireless carriers are football players. They're, they play football. You're playing baseball. Some of your some of your attributes will translate, but that doesn't mean you're going to be great at football. They do this every day, so they rely upon people trying to 
move toward what they're good at and think it's going to be good when negotiating a cell tower lease. They get their ego comes into play. They think, well, I, you know, I, I, I lease space all the time. And that's where the downfall is for most property owners is they get, they don't understand these guys are playing a totally different game. They are playing a game and they play it every day. They spend tens of millions of dollars drafting agreements a certain way, having the top attorneys on their side, drafting these agreements, negotiating them out. And people don't understand that they have a plan. They have a, a, they have a strategy of how to approach you, how to, to tease you, how to get you enticed, how to get you focused, and eventually how to take advantage of the situation. That's why they're, they're very good at what they do and why they're so profitable. And that's why it's very, you know, you said, you know, go to your local attorney or go to an attorney with a large firm. They don't do this enough to understand the other side. You need to understand not what you're what you're thinking. Understand what they're thinking on from a Verizon perspective, AT&T perspective, because that's where people get into trouble. Not only with regards to being undervalued, but getting their property into situations that could be problematic down the road. It's a you know we see this all the time. We have two basic types of clients. We have ones that have been approached to put something on the property, right? So somebody calls it up, hey, say Verizon's contacting me to put something on my property. That's number one. That's a good sector of our, our business. The second sector is people who have existing leases and they're not con contacting us because they really love the situation. They're contacting because, hey, I feel like I'm getting underpaid. These guys saying I can't do this with my property. They say I have to get my, their permission to redevelop this or build something over here or whatever. And they and they go, oh, what can I do? And our job is to figure out a, figure out the little holes in the, in, in the and the little leverage points to renegotiate those deals for them. Right, right. So kind of touching on the leases here, if if you can, I know there's there's a lot of things we've covered in the podcast, uh, just um, it generally, you know, what to look for in these agreements and these leases. Uh, but if you're able to, what can property owners look for specifically, maybe just some bullet points, if you have any, that uh, you see as being extremely important to have in these agreements to protect the property owner and to get the best deals that they that they can not only now, but to be able to renegotiate in the future or um, have their, you know, have those rental increases or, you know, that percentage that the towers are paying them increased over time, you know, as the tower generates more value, um, things like that. Just some bullet points maybe of what property owners can ensure in these agreements um, to make sure that they're getting the best deals possible. Sure. Very quickly, as we, we talked about before, understand who you're leasing to. Understand the business model they work off of. Understand if they're a wireless carrier, that they're using a tower, or they're a tower company. Understand the difference of how they make money, how they value. That's number one. Understand that don't, don't compare your property to other properties that have cell tower leases. Understand the unique value of your site. Understand number three, that once you get a rent in place and get an escalator in place, that does not capture future value. Understand the thing, how to structure revenue share provisions, how to structure re-entry points into leases to allow you to renegotiate over and over throughout the term of the lease based upon the value being derived from that lease. Also, on the non-monetary side, understand how this not only impacts the area they want to use, but impacts the rest of your property. The biggest mistake we see is, hey, they're only going to use 2,000 square feet over here, so it's just over here in the corner. But in reality, they're leasing 2,000 square feet and they're putting restrictions on the rest of your property. Understand exactly what you're agreeing to outside the scope of the area they're being leased. Understand what your exact liabilities are under those agreements, what scope of liability you have, everything from the, the explicit provisions in there to insurance provisions, things like that. And understand when you're approached, 
by anybody looking to lease initially, renegotiate an existing lease, or buy your lease. Understand this simple concept. Understand what you're offering them, period. If you understand that, then you have a better opportunity to get those things I just mentioned. You know, before we wrap up, once again, I just thank you so much for coming on here, talking about it. Um, this is obviously really enticing to a lot of people because what they're being offered, um, we're in the real estate industry per square foot. They're looking at it going, wow, this is a lot better utilization that I can get, but it comes with these strings attached. So we have to know about it. And especially when buying other properties, as you see this, um, resolve, do you think property owners are getting like in the future? Do you think they're wanting more, there's more of a demand for self-storage for property owners, not for self-storage companies, but like for st- self-storage industries. Are they saying this is a good thing or are they weaning away? So anyone sitting on the fence saying, I'm not sure about it, would you say, listen, you should go down this road, just do it right, or you should be careful before you do it? What What is your kind of your stance? What do you think property owners are thinking? Well, I think in, in the self-storage industry and, and then with the global approach for this, I think it's a it's like anything. It's a very good asset regarding the cell tower lease if it's structured correctly. And that's just and that's a very generic answer, but it really is. That really is the case. It can be it could either be a rocket ship that propels or it can be an anchor that pulls you down with regards to your overall property. And we see that so many more times than the rocket ship. And so you have to understand what you're getting into. Don't, again, you're being sold something. Understand that, look, don't get focused on the, like a new car or used car. Don't focus on the nice, nice wheels, the pretty paint job. Understand what's under the hood. Understand that. And that can be a very valuable asset. And if you do that and you do it the right way, again, you have a assets as a long-term recurring payment, but you also need an upside potential on as well, or you can get undervalued. But you all, and as well, you need to understand exactly what you're bringing to an exchange and how it affects all of your property, not just the property they're leasing. So do it, but definitely call Hugh first. Yes, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely so. Definitely so. I mean, if we tell people, we welcome every, talk to everybody, and we think we are the best in the industry based upon our results, our experience, and, and just the scope of clients we have. But get someone to assist you with this that understands this beyond just, hey, they're offering $1,000 $1,000 rent, you should get 1200 That is a simple answer to a complicated question. It does not serve you well. It is the, it is the candy answer. It tastes really good. It wears off really quickly. Yeah, That's amazing, amazing advice. Thank you. Um, and we are going to put all your information in the show notes, but tell everybody how they can get a hold of you, where they can contact you for questions and any resources that you have for them. Happy to talk to anybody out there that either has a new lease they've been presented or an existing lease they're trying to renegotiate or being asked to sell. Our website is SellTowerLeaseExperts.com or VerticalConsultants.com. Our 1-800 number is 877-755-5772. We welcome uh, anybody to contact us, and we offer a free review of any presented lease or existing lease to discuss, sit down with them on a phone consultation to discuss what we see how we can help them and what their options are going forward. So if you have a lease that you've been presented or have an existing lease, send it, talk to us, contact us. We'll review that for free. We'll sit down with you, discuss what we think your options are and how we can assist you. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a bunch. Um, This is fantastic information. So have a good one. Stay safe and healthy. You too.